Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And good morning. This is Mike Miller. Welcome to another edition of Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. If you happen to be a first-time listener via either our live, as we are in the studio here, WGTK on Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville, South Carolina, or if you're listening via podcast, uh, wherever you are, uh, we welcome you. But I want to remind you that this is uh, not a sales program. So the typical program that uh, or show that comes on the weekend on this station and most other stations uh, that have talk radio are trying to sell you insurance mostly sometimes gold things like that but uh, no hidden agenda here not trying to sell you a thing do want to educate you and as part of that process uh, we we welcome your questions we want to know i want to know what you want to know what you need to, to know and have answered many 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 questions over the years this is the uh, 16th year of talking money uh, so uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a question that you need to ask that has not been asked yet, but uh, it's probably not the case, but it's probably been a while since it's been asked. So we want to hear from you. Send your question into Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question and you can send your question directly to me and I'll get back to you either via a, a email return or we'll just answer it on the uh, one of the next uh, coming Talking Money programs. Uh, keeping in mind that I may need to respond to find out more information about your question because I do want to make sure I understand the question, understand your situation enough to know how to answer that question. It's typically, there's no one right answer. Uh, there, there are certainly tax laws and things that you have to do things a certain way. But when it comes to financial planning, there are many different ways to do things, so it's not one way. And don't be embarrassed because maybe you haven't um, – done the right kinds of things uh, over the years and, and maybe you think your financial situation is not where it should be or is it a, in a mess or whatever that's okay that's what we're here for to help get you out of that mess and to set you on the straight and narrow to make sure that you are heading in the right direction and keep them heading in the wrong direction so this coming week this coming uh yeah, this coming week uh, Dr. Jim Rook and Eddie Holland in my office and myself will be teaching a workshop over at Morgan Corporation and it's uh, pre-retirement, so mainly people that are 55 or older. And when I started thinking about the, the time limit I have for the workshop, I've got about 30, 45 minutes to talk about investments, and that's it. Uh, I've got a whole lot more material than that on investments. So I thought, okay, well, let me spend this week and next week talking about investments and some of the, some of the same concepts that I'll be talking about this coming Wednesday. And I'll share with this on the Morgan Corporation uh, on uh, this Wednesday when we are over there to tell them they can come back to Talking Money and listen to a more expanded version of the same things we're going to be talking about there. So if they want more information, they can get it. But it's just helpful, general helpful information, things I've gathered over the 38 years that I've been in the financial planning business and uh, mainly higher level conceptual type things to, to help uh, keep you from 
uh, making mistakes that will just derail your financial plan. And and you have to be so careful sometimes that, that you can do just one little thing, selling at the wrong time, buying at the wrong time, that can derail things. So we want to make sure that your financial plan is is correct and it's going to meet your needs because that's the only one we care about. But there again, you got a question for me, 877-235-9405. Text or call that question here today uh, in the studio. So one of the things that I start with, is a slide that shows the little little old lady standing at the front door and this uh, gentleman answers the door and this little old lady she looks like she's 90 is dressed in a in a um, girl scout uniform selling girl scout cookies and that's that's her retirement so how does how do you plan on funding your retirement you don't want to be uh you probably most of you probably don't even want to be a walmart greeter you want to do something that you enjoy not something that necessarily you need to do to pay you uh, money because you can't afford to do anything else we all know people who have been in that situation where they didn't have any choice a spouse died and left them with a lot of debt a uh, spouse died didn't leave them a lot of money they didn't have enough money on their own and so they're just scraping just barely getting by and so they have to do some kind of work uh and i've well we've all seen it i've seen these people that they're wiping down tables in inside a fast food restaurant and and it could very well be that they're there not because they need the money and i can i can get that too because you want to make sure you retire to something you just don't retire from something you have to have some something in mind that you're going to do not not play golf every day not just read all the time whatever you think you're going to do every day for the rest of your life when we're talking in most cases 20 plus years after you retire that you uh, will get tired of that. So you don't want to do something that you're going to get tired of. All right, so I've got some questions, some general overview questions on financial uh, investments that that uh, you can answer to yourself. We're not going to ask for a reply here today, although you can give me a reply if you want to, of how you would respond in different situations. So I call them tricky investment questions. So I've got two. I used to have four. Now I, I narrowed it down to just the two that I think were the most important. So here's the question. Pay attention. So due to a general market correction, the price of one of your investments decreases 14% a short term after you buy it. What would you do? All right, I've got three options for you. One, you would sell the investment so you won't have to worry about it if it continues to decline. B, you'll hold on to it and wait for it to climb back up. Or C, you'll buy more of the same investment because at the new low price, it looks even better than when you bought it. Now, there's a couple of things in this question you need to pay attention to that should help you answer that question. One, why did the stock go down? Why did the price go down on this investment? I said stock. We just said investment. It could apply to any investment, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about stocks here. So I said due to a general market correction, the price of one of your investments decreases. All right, so it wasn't anything to do with that particular company. So I'll assume that you did the research. You saw it was a good long-term investment. You saw that it was something that you knew that you felt like over the next 5, 10, 15 years it was going to do well. So it's not like something happened all of a sudden to the financials of that investment that made you think, oh, wow, I don't want to keep that anymore. That would be a different answer, potentially. All right, so the, the next part is the price of one of your investment decreases 14%. So it's key to understand the difference between price and value, all right? The value didn't change. So years ago, I was doing some due diligence on a new fund manager that we were considering to add to the uh, our portfolios. And 
when I talked to the portfolio manager about it, I said, I asked her a question. I said, what, what is your standard procedure? What do you do if a stock goes down uh, substantially? Let's say it goes down in, in price. And so she, she asked me a question back that I'll never forget. She said, do you mean if it went down in price or it went down in value? Ah, there's a difference because many things in the stock market will go down in price just because everything else is going down. But the value didn't change. The company didn't change. It's still making money. There was no reason for financial reason for the stock price to go down because it's still a, a, a good value for what you're getting for that company. But the price went down because everybody else's price went down. So you have to understand why are you getting out of something? Is it because the value of that went down and you just made a mistake? You thought it was better than it was and you found out later that, well, okay, the value wasn't as good as I thought. Then you then you have a reason to say, cut my losses and get out of here because it may be on its way to extinction or down 50% or something like that. So it goes down to 14% a short time after or after you bought it. So given those caveats, what would you do? So this tells me a lot about you. If you'd sell the investment so I don't have to worry about it going down anymore, uh, which tells me, as I've said on this program many, many times over the uh, 15 plus years we've been on the air, you shouldn't have bought it to begin with. Uh, you, you didn't do the right kind of research or something spooked you or your, your um, emotional uh, um, capacity to take risk is not there. So you, you shouldn't even be in those kind of investments. Okay, hold on to it. Wait for it to climb back up is what most people answer in the workshops. And then and then there'll be just a few that usually raise their hand and say, yep, I'm going to buy more of the same investments. And even some of them wouldn't do it in real life. They'll, they'll do it in a workshop because they know that's the best answer. If it's a good investment, it just goes down 14%. What happens? It's, it's at a 14% discount than what it was. It's a better price than it was when I thought it was good 14% ago. Now it's an even better price, so it's a good time to buy it. So I've got an illustration about that, uh, and we'll uh, cover it after the break, but it has to do with you buying your favorite Coca-Cola product. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 19 after the hour. For those of you who are listening live on WGTK, for those who are listening as a podcast, you don't really care what time it is. So I, but I appreciate you listening. We're talking about investments, investments and the strategies you should use and not use and, and your own uh, personal risk tolerance and how you might react in different situations. So the question before the break was uh, due to a general market correction, the price of one of your investments decreases 14% just a short time after you bought it. What are you going to do? We had three options there. So I already went through all those. If you didn't catch that, you'll have to go back to talkingmoneyradio.com 
radio.com next week when we post this program and you can listen to it uh, to your heart's content. So one of the illustrations I'd like to use to help give perspective on how many of us buy things and we all like to buy things on sale. So when if you're going down the the aisle in the grocery store and you're ready to buy a two liter bottle of Coke and and normally you're going to spend and and it's it's has been a few years since i did this illustration so uh when i first was using this illustration you could pick two liter bottle of coke up for 99 cents or dollar 29 something like that so i think now it's probably closer to two dollars and except when it's on sale so let's say it's two dollars just for ease of illustration well you go down this aisle and there's a sign there that says today only manager special two liter bottle of coke 49 cents wow so you say to yourself there must be something wrong with that Coke. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Why would they sell it for 49 cents? So, no, it's the same Coke that they were selling for $2 just a few days ago. So what are you going to do? No, you're going to you're gonna load up on that. It doesn't even say limit 10. Let's, let's buy as much as we can because it's, uh, it's such a good price. So that's fine uh, that, uh, that you would do that. But what if you went down that same aisle? And instead of that sign, it said, two-liter bottle of Coke manager special today only, $4.59. You're going to say, whoa, now that's something special about that. I mean, why would they sell it for $4.59 if it wasn't something special? No, you're not going to You're not even gonna touch it. You're going to leave it alone. And you and all your other family members, all the neighbors, are going to do the same thing. You're not going to buy it. So they stock up on it and they, they buy more. So when when we know it's the same product, when the price is at a big discount, we will load up on it. When it's at a high price, we know, no, I don't like that. I'm just not going to buy it. When supply and demand works, the price eventually comes back down. And we do that for virtually everything that we buy, except for investments. When it comes to investments, even when you go to a, a new financial advisor or your own investment advisor, and they say, um, especially if it's a new one, I, I love, uh, I don't like this, but it, it happens all the time. When you go see someone and before they even know what your situation is, uh, they've given you a prescription. A doctor's not going to give you a prescription without knowing your situation. At least they sure shouldn't. So an investment advisor shouldn't be giving you a, a sample portfolio without understanding a lot more about you and not guessing because then they're trying to sell their service based on past returns. So if you had a couple investments you were looking at, and one had an annual return average of, let's say, 20%, and the other had an average return over the last 10 years of 5%, most people are going to trend go toward the one that's been earning 20% for the last 10 years. Because there's that assumption that it's, it's, if it's done 20% for the last 10 years, it's going to keep doing that 20%. When in reality, it's probably way past time for that particular investment to stop doing 20% a year, and the one that's been earning 5% a year to start doing better. And and one of the obvious examples of this is if you take value stocks versus growth stocks, or you take a mutual fund that invests primarily in growth stocks and value stocks. And there's those, those stocks are uh, defined differently based on their price earnings ratio and a lot of other things, but typically the value stocks are, are at a better price. They, they don't generally go the high multiple PEs price earnings ratios they they stay more reasonable priced and and so your downside risk is generally less but over a longer period of time the value stocks 
have done better than growth stocks. But for the last 10 years, that's, that's not happened. For most years, growth stocks have outperformed. So that's why it's having a combination of both helps. But it also reminds you that if you continue to buy the ones that are doing well lately, then you're getting closer to the time when that one's not going to do well and another one is going to take its place at the top of the cycle. Uh, I know one of the more obvious examples in my career was back in the tech bubble bursting, tech bubble when it was accumulating, and it was uh, 98, 99, and the S&P 500 and specifically tech stocks inside the S&P 500 were doing extremely well. But you had companies that were selling at 200 plus price earnings ratio. And, and when you talk about an average of, of 15 to 20 to 25 with the S&P 500, I mean, that's, that's well overpriced what the earnings are giving versus what the price it's selling at. So I can remember back in 98, 99, we actually lost a client or two because they didn't think we were, they could have thrown darts at the S&P 500 and done better than what we were doing because we were had a well-diversified portfolio. But then when 2000 and 2001 and 2002 hit, the tech bubble burst and growth stocks and those tech stocks especially imploded and ours did not implode. Say, like, oh, OK, uh, you, you might have had to wait a little while to reap the benefit of that diversification. But so often that's what it takes with diversification. There's almost always something in your portfolio that you're not going to like. And you, you want to keep diversified, even though you may not like a particular holding, because uh, oftentimes we'll have clients ask us, why don't we buy more of that? And sell some of this because they're seeing the ones that have gone up and the ones that haven't gone up. And, and, and that's, that's why, because you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know which one's going to be the one that uh, takes the next upturn and when the one you're in is going to take the downturn, or when they all might go down. Like in 2008, it didn't ma- matter what was value, growth, whatever. Everything went down, but it was external circumstances that made it go down. It wasn't anything to do with the p- specific investment. Some of them, yes, but not the majority of them. So that's why we felt comfortable back toward the first of 2009, starting to buy more back into the investments and in the stocks because of what we felt like was a good long-term um, growth potential of those stocks that they weren't hurt individually. And that ended up being a good play. Uh, call it lucky, but in, in certain amount and timing certainly is, but it certainly worked well for our clients back in 2009. But there again, there's other years that it doesn't happen that way. So you, that's why keeping diversified is is so important. So um, the next the next question I have for you, we have time for that. Yeah, okay. So this next question is kind of interesting. Everybody, you know, kind of hopes that at some point they'll be on some kind of game show and have a chance to win a lot of money. All right. So there's you have just reached the ten thousand dollar plateau in a TV game show, and now you have to choose between quitting with the ten thousand dollars in hand. Or betting the entire ten thousand in one of three alternative scenarios, which would you choose? All right, so here's your choices. You and, and you typically don't know this when you're in the game show. All you know is, okay, I won my ten thousand dollars, but I got to decide if I'm going to keep going forward. No, I'm going to give you the odds. So you'll keep going. First of all, your first option, of course, take the ten thousand and run. I'm done. The other one is, I'll keep going if I have a fifty percent chance, fifty percent, five zero chance of winning fifty thousand. I'll keep going if I have a 20% chance of winning 75,000 or I'll keep going if I have a 5% chance of winning 200,000. So you have to pick one of those. And so typically the more aggressive person in the audience is going to say, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take the 5% and, and go. But the majority of people in the audience usually raise their hand on, on a, I'm going to take the 10,000 and run. And, and I always like to ask because the, the one 
the people who um, raise their hand at 5%, I say, well, what's different about that money than normal? And and virtually every time they get it, they say, well, what's not my money? Uh, that 10000 is not my money. So I don't mind gambling that on the chance of winning 200000 even if it's a 5% chance because it's not my money. So then I turned right around to the people who raised their hand and said, I'm going to take my 10000 and run and say, was that your money? Is that your, yeah, it's your money because you've got the $10,000. You can walk out the door, but it's that perception of what it is when it's not my money or not. But it just, yeah, it's one of those ways just kind of help, help you maybe understand what your own risk profile is. And then I always like the, this comment because I've actually heard uh, a few people say this over the years and they say, risk is fine with me. I uh, risk doesn't bother me as long as I don't lose anything. Well, you know, you can't, that would be nice if you could say, well, I'm only going to take some risk if I have no chance of losing something. And so um, kind of related to that, I've had a few people uh, this week that have told me that they, the, the stock market was, my dentist was one of them. He said, you know, we, it had to go down. At some point in time, we had to have some of the volatility that we've had in the last uh, month or two that it just has to happen that way because, uh, you know, and it can't just keep going up forever. And you don't really want it to keep going up forever. And understand that it's not going to. Get that in your head. It's not going to keep going up. We just don't know when it's going to go down, how far it's going to go down, and for how long it's going to stay down. We don't know the answers to those questions. But if it doesn't ever go down, then the return's going to go down. You have to have a certain amount of risk in investment before you understand that it's going to get the potential of having that higher return. All right, so that's the first half that went uh, much too quickly, and that's about all the time I'm going to have this coming week on investments. So we're going to go further into detail on this when we get back to the break. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. With nationwide trust capabilities, Ronald Blue Trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. With over $11 billion of assets under management and advisement and a network of 16 offices, including Greenville, Ronald Blue Trust serves over 10,000 clients in all 50 states through distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ronald Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're joining us. It's coming up on about uh, 25 before the hour. We're talking investments and uh, just reviewing some of the same uh, topics that I will in, uh, be talking about this coming week at uh, at Morgan, Morgan Corporation. And uh, and I would remind you that if you, because uh, I've done workshops for some of the major companies around the area, Michelin, Millican, Cryovac, some of those uh, sealed air uh, in the past and would love to do something at your company too, pre-retirements, or we do full financial planning workshops where we spend the day and sometimes uh, longer than a day talking about all the different kinds of financial planning subjects, everything from cash flow management, insurance, 
to taxes, to investments, to estate planning, to social security, to a bunch of things like that. And we've got great people in the office that, that we can tag team to help um, do those workshops. And, and it really is a valuable, and the, the types of feedback we've gotten from companies that have done this is always tremendous. They, the company gets great PR for it because they're offering something, they're paying for the people to come to these sessions, but they're really teaching them about something that's personal, not something that has to do with their particular job. Uh, but there's been studies that have done shown that you know the the better people are at managing their money and the the less stress there is in their life because they're managing their money well, the better employee they're going to be. So I I would encourage you if you're not doing something like this in your company would like to uh, get in touch with us. Eight hundred five eight eight seven five two six is the phone number at the office, and I'd love to speak with you about doing something at your company as well. And it's pretty inexpensive for what you get, I think. So um, yeah, we don't do it for free because we're not there to try to sell anything. So that's that's the, the one of the advantages of us doing it versus somebody else. We're not selling. We're not going to get a, a list of the employees and say, hey, we're going to call them all up and see if we can get them in the office, offer a free consultation, that kind of stuff. No, they'll, they'll have to reach out to us if they want to have a further conversation. Um, but before the break, of course, we were talking about the, in the first half of the talking money today about the different ways that you think about risk and how you react in different kinds of situations. And so um, I think it, it really pays to help understand, to spend some time thinking about what your own risk profile is. John Bogle had a great comment, uh, quote him, because it's very important for people to understand it really goes hand in hand with what we've just been talking about is overrating past performance is a quote, overrating past performance is the most common mistake mutual fund investors make. Giving inadequate weight to risk, however you measure that risk, would be number two. And being being willing to shift funds too quickly would be number three. That's 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 a great that there's a whole hour of of talking of education in that particular comment. Because what I said earlier with my Coca-Cola commercial Coca-Cola commercial, my Coca-Cola uh, illustration is that people tend to, to buy things in in stocks versus how they might buy things retail in the grocery store and when they buy those on sale they don't buy these they go with the investments that have earned the most and been having the best return thinking that's it going to repeat itself when it rarely does I, I remember going to a, a financial planning workshop some years ago it was for the financial planning association it was one of the breakout sessions and there was a moderator up there and had three international uh, money managers that they ran three different separate uh, mutual funds that invested in international stocks all of them had fabulous years the previous year before that well the moderator was really good bob varis is the moderator and he asked he, he told before the thing started he says now you realize the reason all three of you are here is because you had great performance last year and you also realize that you're probably not going to have the best performance next year and everybody laughed because they understood that so even at financial planning workshops that you'll you'll have the people who have had the best performance recently be the one that's up there talking about how well they did well you know that's not always the best uh, way to to judge what is going to happen it's usually not the best way to judge what's going to happen the next year so we overrate that past performance we we don't look at the risk Really, what is the risk? And we're not talking about necessarily losing your money, but what's the volatility? What's the what's the risk of volatility in this investment? And I, I think people who are advertising gold probably do this as, as as much as or more than anybody, where they just talk about how they imply that there's no risk in gold. You just buy this gold, and there's no risk to it, and which is just completely false. This is not true. 
Um, so you have to understand the risk. And even even with annuities, say, well, there's no risk in annuities. Well, yes, there is risk in annuities. There's there's a risk of of um, illiquidity. Okay, yeah, you can get the money up, but it's going to cost you big time. As, as I've seen many people over the years, it's happened to them. It costs big time to get out of that annuity if you try to get it out of it early. So you have to be so, so careful with how you look at the risk, whatever that risk is. And I know the the the, the comeback to that is, well, I'm not planning on touching that money for 10 years anyway, so it doesn't matter if there's a surrender charge. Well, that's still part of the risk. There's the cost built in for that. And the last one, he says, being willing to shift funds too quickly. I've seen that happen over the years too many times where people will will get in and they'll say what um, uh, what they are going to change from and I, I have a longer illustration about that that I've done where I've shown two mutual funds and I didn't tell you which ones they were. The, the audience, I didn't tell them which one each one was. Good, two great mutual funds, but they invested differently and I would show the return each year. And it was interesting to see how many people would switch from one to the other or who wouldn't switch when they see one had a drastically higher return than the other one in a given year, how some would switch. And I know people people do that. You'll see what, well, what am I? My only went up 5%. This one went up 20. I'm going to switch from my, this one fund and go to the one that made 20% because it's going to be better just in time for that fund to be down five and the other one to be up five. So it, it's, uh, it pays to do research. It pays to, I think it pays to uh, make sure you understand the risk and to stick to your game plan. So who do you listen to for other than talking money? Who do you listen to, to, to get some advice on these things? So what do the pros actually do? So I got some quotes from several different pros over the years, and some are not with us and some are. So Sir John Templeton always said, diversify your investments. So, of course, he ran a, a, a lot of mutual funds, and that's what they did diversify. But they don't always diversify because uh, we uh, as, as much as you think. Uh, I still remember back in the late 90s, I'll use that illustration again, that time period, in the late 90s, uh, had a new client that co- that came in that had a lot of Janus funds. Well, those Janus funds, because um, because he had like five of them, uh, he felt like he was well diversified, not realizing you had to look inside the funds to see how much overlap there was. So these five funds owned a lot of the same stocks. So he wasn't as diversified as he thought he was. So you, you need to understand of what really the risk is and maybe what's internal. Uh, and, and sometimes it does take a professional to look inside there to see what's really going on. But that's part of what I think a, a good analysis looks at to see, okay, what is the overlap in here to make sure you don't over allocated, overexposed to one asset class versus another one. So Warren Buffett said, if you don't feel comfortable owning something for 10 years, then don't own it for 10 minutes. And that's, that's that's for your uh, for you day traders out there who want to own something for 10 minutes and turn around and make a quick buck. It doesn't always work that way. Bernard Baruch said, don't try to buy at the bottom and sell the top. It can't be done except by liars. Yeah. Okay. So there's people, plenty of people act like they have, they know what they're doing, but, uh, and they act like they can time that market, but nobody can. It's just, it just can't be done. Um, so then you've got investment publications. So we've got Forbes. And you've got Kiplinger's and you've got Money Magazine. You've got a lot of different magazines out there that can help educate you. Uh, I just think you need to be careful which one you go to. So what I I suggest is that you, if you find a magazine that's, wow, that what they're saying really, really makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm going to subscribe to that magazine. Well, before you do that, 
you know, go online if you can. And used to be, you could go to the library. I'm not sure you can still do this at the library, but, but go online and look at previous issues. So go back a, a year, go back two years and find out what they were saying you should do then. Well, we know what's happened in the last couple of years, so we know if what they were saying was accurate or not. And, and we also will know today if they are taking responsibility for what they said two years ago, if they weren't saying the right things. Because forecasting is one of the things that a lot of people do, but I, I, it's very rare that somebody later on comes back and says, well, I was wrong. I, I didn't say that right. So don't necessarily take what I'm saying as gospel and that I know what I'm doing. Uh, if you look at CNBC and some of those talk uh, financial talk shows, I mean, typically they the people that come on there always sound like they know exactly what's going to go on. They know ex- almost exactly what's going to happen next. Uh, well, they don't. And, and so that's why you get advice from many people, talking money included, many people to, to then decide what you want to do, what's best for you to do. Of course, a financial advisor and people at our office, I think, can help you do that. But it's still, you got to understand what you're really looking for and and how it's going to meet your objectives. All right, a few thoughts on forecasting, and then we'll uh, take our take our last break and uh, go for the uh, some other information we've got on. Uh, I actually got some return projections for you. After I just tell you, don't pay attention to the projections. I want to give you an idea of how varied those projections are. So some thoughts on forecasting. The only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. That's John uh, Kenneth Galbraith said that. Uh, Warren Buffett also said, we've long felt that the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. And then Howard Marks, he says, I'd advise you to approach the entire subject of forecast and forecasters with extreme mistrust. George Soros says, my financial success stands in stark contrast with my ability to forecast events. Uh, of course, George Soros is, a, is another story. Uh, and then Peter Lynch. Some of you remember Peter Lynch, longtime manager of Fidelity Magellan Fund. Did a, did, was beating the market every year he was there. He got out at a good time because he got out while he was still beating the S&P 500. He says, I don't believe in predicting markets. I believe in buying great companies, especially companies that are undervalued and or underappreciated. So it's the difference between investing in a company and just trying to gamble and invest in the stock market. Uh, there, You can do it both ways. And I think if you uh, take a diversified portfolio and you do it in a, a reasonable manner uh, with whatever outside counsel you think you need that, and you buy it for the long haul, you're not trying to just pick and choose in and out and things to try to make a quick buck or trying to save from losing more uh, because nobody knows when the next correction is going to be, how far it's going to go down, how long it's going to stay there, and or even why it's going to happen. We just don't understand that. All right, we get back from the last segment of Talking Money. We're going to talk a little bit about some industry equity return assumptions. So we've got things from from analysts from Morningstar to JP Morgan to BNY Mellon, Northern Trust, and Russell Investments all give their idea of, of the projected returns for U.S. stocks, international developed stocks, so that's the larger international um, European-type countries, and emerging markets. Which one do they project that over the next uh, 10 years they think is going to use a 10-year forecast, so it's easy to make a 10-year forecast because nobody's going to remember what you said 10 years ago. So we'll, we'll give you an idea of where they think the best ones are coming. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, 
family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ron Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program. And one texture that called in, Scott, he says, uh, how do you get out of if you're trapped in a vehicle title loan? So I've sent a reply to him. Just, is, is it in his name or is uh, he a co-signer? And I'm not sure about that. That's one of those questions I'm going to have to take back and uh, and do some more research, ask some people that are more familiar with those kinds of loans and see what the best way to get out. So uh, I'll have to respond to that question for you uh, later, Scott. Then send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Question and you can uh, get it there. So we're talking about returns and I've just told you, be careful looking at any kind of forecasters because uh, they really don't know. Um, they're just making their best educated guess about what's going to happen next and that's where it's even more important for certain any kind of in, uh, financial publication, if you want to know whether or not you should uh, listen to them, what they say, go back a couple of years and find out what they were saying a couple of years ago and see how accurate it is now. So um, so our firm did put out at the end of this, of the end of last year, some of the uh, leading industry analysts and what their projected 10-year forecasts were for the for coming up. So we've got 10-year forecasts. Some of them are, looks like maybe even a year they're at the end of 2020 but they're still giving these 10-year forecasts and so the point i want to make is the range so in the u.s we're going anywhere from a high of 7.7 percent annual return to a low of minus 4.2 so the one that says minus 4.2 the they particularly they obviously don't like anything because they're low on international developed and emerging markets uh, they were zero on emerging markets so anywhere, so and there's everything in between. A lot of them are hovering around that five point eight five percent type return for the next ten years for U.S. stock market. And then you've got the international developed, so the the international developed countries, uh, where the range there is anywhere from a high of eight point six percent to a low of 0.4%. So there are no negative returns on the international projected returns for the international developed from all these different analysts. Emerging markets uh, really got the some of the highest marks overall with the high being 9.8% uh, from one firm to a low of 0 0.0, which I told you about that. And most of them are in that uh, over 6 to 7% return average projection for the next 10 years. So of these, all these analysts, and there are like, uh, I don't know, 12 of them on this or 15 of them on this sheet, um, they um, and all would say, for the most part, emerging markets is their their highest potential return for the next 10 years. Well, they don't know, but it's still, it, it, I think it pays to look at that and say, okay, well, that means... I probably should have at least some of my assets in emerging markets. And I'm going to guess that most people listening to me 
don't have any emerging markets uh, or if they do it's part of a, a general larger international fund that happens to have some emerging markets in it uh, that's just the way it works um, so who do you believe you got all those different uh, analysts that are saying different things who do you believe well if, if you say well i'm just going to go with the one who says the highest return for what i want well that's not going to help you any uh, just because they say it doesn't mean it's going to be true um, so you look back and I, I should have taken the time to look back and say, okay, well, what were these same analysts projecting, you know, five years ago, three years ago, and what's happened since then? So that's what you really need to do to know for sure, which ones you want to look at. So what are some basic rules, some general, general, these are high level general rules for successful investing. I've kind of alluded to them up to this point. So it's, you need to know what your objectives are and it can be objectives for, for different um, sections of your money. So we would say in buckets. So we like to, even if we don't put the money in specific buckets in our firm, we're still going to look at it as buckets. We're going to say, okay, you have a short-term bucket, which means that these are investments that you're going to need probably the next year, maybe two. Uh, so that's going to be in something different. So objectives for that money is is one thing. So that's a different type of investment. If then I have certain things that, well, I think I might, I make these those investments, that money in the next two to five years for something. It's a college education. It's a new house. It's another car, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I may need the money. And of course, there's always that underlying thing. I may need the money for emergencies. I understand that. And then you say, I've got my long-term bucket, which is going to be, let's say, eight to 10 years or longer. It's, I'm going to, it's going to be that long till I retire. It's going to be that long till my kids go to college, whatever it is. So that money, you can put in longer-term money and, and you should be able to weather the volatility more with that money than you would money that's uh, uh, going to be needed the next year or two. So know what your objectives are. Then, of course, evaluate the risk of each of the investments. What is the risk in there? Because the kind of risk that it is involved with that investment is going to determine which bucket you're going to put it in. And then always diversify. No matter which bucket it is, you want to make sure that you diversify among different kinds of things. So what kinds of risks are there we're trying to avoid? Well, I've got five of them here we look at. Of course, most people already understand the risk of inflation. And if you haven't realized that yet, you've certainly realized it this year with all the, the price increases we've had in not just gasoline prices, but food prices and so forth. We've had a lot of that this year because that has a ripple effect for most everything. So gas prices go up. Any kind of manufacturer that uses gasoline or diesel is going to pay more for the transportation, maybe for the actual manufacturing, even service companies that are delivering things, um, Amazon, all the uh, FedEx, all those people that use these trucks to deliver things. That comes back to the manufacturer or whoever's uh, ultimately making those goods. And it, it costs them more. So that, that has got to pass on in the price uh, for those goods because everything is going up. So what kinds of investments would be the, the kind that would help offset or help you grow with inflation. And we'll talk more about this later, probably next week. But uh, stocks have been one of the best inflation hedges around. I don't think gold has been. Now, people usually shock at that and say, what do you mean? Everybody says gold's a good inflation. Well, go back and look at the price of gold side by side with inflation. And you're going to see a lot of times where inflation's going up and gold is not, or you see gold going up and inflation is not. So it's not it's not a uh, strong correlation, I don't think, between the two. All right, another risk, interest rate risk. 
Now, this is going to affect, I'm going to definitely talk more about this as it relates to fixed income bond type investments, is is how does that interest rate going to affect, and it affects stocks too, especially, I mean, stocks may be a great inflation inflation hedge, but with interest rates go up and inflation goes up, there can be a, an initial a negative return, a pressure on prices, downward pressure on prices initially, but longer term, uh, typically in the past, it's they've done well. So, but how do interest rate, uh, how did the interest rate changes affect prices? And we're going to talk about that next week as well. And then, of course, economic risk. Uh, we and that can be anything from from um, what may happen with gas prices, how it affects the economy, with how is the a the war in Ukraine. Um, and the Russian invasion, how is that affecting things? Uh, I had a great interview a couple of weeks ago with Mark Elam, uh, our senior investment strategist, one of them at our at our uh, investment strategy group team in Atlanta. So you want to go back to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and listen to that. It's got some level-headed comments about that. Then you got some market risk. And we all know about market risk. And, and unfortunately, people look at market risk and look at that as a, a greater influence than they do inflation risk so we want to talk about that some more next week and of course there's always uh, specific risks with different types of investments uh, you know, stocks may have higher risk and, and and when you look at that risk you got to know what it is it's a risk of volatility not the risk of necessarily losing your money and so you've got a big investment spectrum. So you've got lower potential return with lower risk or lower risk of volatility with a higher potential return and higher uh, risk of chance of volatility. But that also may uh, decrease your risk of inflation. So you got to look at both of those in combination with each other. So next week, I'm also going to talk about just basic, what is a stock? How is a stock different than a bond? Why, why would you invest in one versus the other? So there's definite reasons why and whether advantages and disadvantages to each one. We want to, to uh, cover that as well next week when we do part two of the uh, my investment basic here. So we appreciate you listening today. If you got a question for me, 800-588-7526 is our toll-free number. Feel free to call me there and be glad to speak with you to see if we can be of help. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money. Talking Money. 